0: this is the sclo library podcast i'm david pensick communications manager for sclo center region library We are located in the heart of downtown State College on the corner of Beaver Avenue and Allen Street. And this episode is dropping on Wednesday, April 17th, 2019. So I hope everyone's had a good uh, blue-white weekend. And we had a great National Library Week this past week. And thank you to everyone who visited the library uh, who sent us messages, filled out those postcards? Uh, it's great. It was it was just so appreciative, and you know we look forward obviously to continuing to build strong community here in the center region uh, through our events and services. And so just keep keep letting us know, you know, uh, positive, and if you have some con- constructive feedback, you know, things you'd like to see at the library. You know, we we appreciate all the feedback that we receive. As we continue to evolve, as you probably heard a lot about libraries uh, last week, especially how libraries have just changed over time. So we look forward to continuing to serve you and build a stronger community here in Center County. One of the things we have coming up is, it's actually a national thing, it's Children's Book Week. April 29th through May 5th, and Sklo has a couple of events that are in conjunction with this that I'll talk a little bit more about at the, toward the end of the episode, uh, but first is a conversation I have with Shana Burkhead. Shana is the Associate Executive Director of the Children's Book Council and Every Child a Reader, and Every Child a Reader is the organization that holds Children's Book Week, and this year it's the 100th anniversary of it, started in 1919. And it's the longest-running national literacy initiative in the country. And you look back last year, more than 700 libraries, bookstores, and schools hosted uh, events and story hours, activities. And so this year probably will, is going to be even bigger with the 100th anniversary. And like I said, SCLO has a couple things that are in conjunction with, with, Nash, with a Children's Book Week that I'll mention at the, uh, toward the end of this episode. But first, uh, here's my conversation with Shana Burkhead. Hope you enjoyed it as, as we discuss Children's Book Week and Every Child a Reader. And, uh, and Shana also has an interesting background. She went to school uh, to, uh, to bachelor in dance, got a bachelor's degree in dance, and she worked in restaurants for a while. So, uh, But now she's been at uh, the Children's Book Council and Every Child a Reader. So here's my conversation with Shana Burkhead. <laughs> children's book week. And and we have a Shana Burkhead from the, from every child, a reader organization. And Shana, thank you for joining us. And, um, I, I guess, can you talk a little bit about for people who don't know, um, what every child reader, what it does and all the programs it has across the country?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So Every Child a Reader is a a 501c3 nonprofit. And that distinction is just important because it's the kind of nonprofit that can receive uh, grants and do fundraising. Um, So we actually run two different organizations out of the same office. And one is the Children's Book Council, which is a membership-based organization. And then Every Child a Reader is the organization that runs all of our what we kind of call public-facing programs, so the programs that are for actual like kids and teens, and not for publishers. So um, we have four main programs and then, uh, some other smaller ones that we, that we work on periodically throughout the year. And the four main ones are, um, children's book week, which is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. Uh, we also have the national ambassador for young people's literature, and that is in partnership with the library of Congress. It's sort of, um, the Poet Laureate of Children's Books, Um, and our current national ambassador is Jacqueline Woodson. She's our sixth national ambassador, so we've been doing that program since 2008. Um, We also have the Children's and Teen Choice Book Awards, which is a program that the finalists and winners are chosen by kids and teens, and we have four different age categories um, of those awards, and voting is happening for those right now. We usually announce the winners um, in the early summer every year. And um, our last program is a newer one for us. It's called Get Caught Reading. We took it over from the um, Association for American Publishers, and it's a a poster program. So we work with um, various people, including some athletes, singers, um, television stars, authors, and illustrators, um, and they create posters where they're in a picture kind of getting caught reading, holding a book, um, and those are for classrooms mostly. They're small bulletin board size posters that we distribute to teachers and librarians, so those are the four, four main ones.
0: Oh, wow. Um, do you notice, I mean, do you get a lot of feedback on how these programs are having an impact in promoting, you know, reading for, for young children and, and teens and, 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 you know, literacy and, and, I guess how your programs are impacting that.
1: Definitely. Um, particularly with children's book week, um, we've seen just in the past, I would say five years, a real significant growth in that program. Um, I think it's important also to note that the mission of every child a reader is to inspire, um, children to become lifelong readers. So our goal is not to um, encourage kids to read a specific kind of book. And we're not literacy focused in some, as some organizations are in getting kids to learn how to read. Our goal is really to get kids to love to read. So all of our programs are focused around giving kids the agency to choose the books that are right for them um, and to encourage them to go outside of their reading box and find books that maybe they wouldn't think would be of interest to them, but to encourage them to kind of expand their reading horizons. So um, through, I would say the national ambassador program and children's book week in particular, we really see that having an effect across the country. Children's book week um, started off as a really grassroots effort with mostly uh, schools and libraries. We've really expanded that in the past few years Um, to incorporate bookstores as well. And we started doing what we call official events um, in around 2008, 2009. Um, And we've grown from, you know, just two official events that first year to over 1,300 this year. So, (coughs) excuse me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I got choked up.
0: <laughs> well, it's been an incredible growth. I guess that would,
1: that
0: would <laughs> yeah. make um, you. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say, so we see that impact just by the number of um, schools, libraries, and bookstores that are even just familiar with Children's Book Week that weren't familiar with it in the past. Um and through the National Ambassador Program, we see some really direct correlations between um, the National Ambassador's work with kids when they go travel around the country and that the interest of those kids in reading new and different books after they've met with the National Ambassador. A lot of these programs, um, it's difficult for us to get, you know, uh, authors and illustrators into every single classroom in the country or get them to to every bookstore in the country. So we really try to create a lot of resources and um, things that will connect kids with books and not just with books, but also the creators of books because we found that when kids meet an author, or illustrator, it opens up this whole new world to them. Um, I think for a lot of kids, you know, they don't know who the author of their favorite book is. They just know what their favorite book is. Um, and to introduce them to the fact that a, a real live human being created these books that they love and are reading really connects them to reading in a totally different way. Um, so that's a big part of what we try and do as well.
0: Yeah, we've definitely seen that here at SCLO whenever we have a children's authors visit or, or we have a, our uh, book fest in July when um, when there are children's authors there and, and mm-hmm. the kids get to meet and, and get their you know get their book signed or whatever but it, it's yeah it's definitely a, a more of a connection with that book you know? yeah <laughs> um and this year's theme as you were meant is um sort of is read now read forever I believe for the um
1: yes for, yeah, for children's book week. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah I mean I guess what do you attribute that incredible growth you mentioned how now you have like over i guess 1300 events what, what do you attribute that to that, that you've seen this grow across the country
1: um well there was like a real transition um that book week had um again it's around 2008 2009 so when it first started um they the children's book council well, it goes back to 1919. So there was a lot of different uh, people who had an influence on how Children's Book Week started and how it was ran. But for a really long time, um, the main thing that our organization did to help facilitate Children's Book Week was just to create a lot of different resources that um, teachers and librarians and other people could order. So we had a catalog for quite a while, um, and so for us. Back then, it was easy. It was easy to see or guesstimate how many people were participating based on how many people were ordering these items, um, and so there was definitely a lot of schools around the country participating when this originally started. Um, but we saw it kind of dip down in the in the I would say the '90s and early 2000s, um, with just so many events and celebrations happening throughout the year. It's hard to get people's attention sometimes. So, um, and, and creating all of those printed resources as a catalog was not really an option um, at a certain time, but the internet was booming. So we sort of transitioned a lot of our resources from being things that people could pay for in order to being free and available online to download and print. Um, so when we started the idea of the, of the official events um, it was just a, a new idea for people, um, and I think a lot of schools and libraries were still participating and just not being called official events. So what we've tried to do is is make that transition from when it was more of a grassroots effort with people participating around the country, but us not really knowing about what they were doing, to this new form of Children's Book Week, where we have an online map that lists all of our locations, so people around the country can see what locations they can go to. To Celebrate Children's Book Week, um, all of the online resources, and um, sending out the poster for free, which is the the biggest sort of visual aspect of Children's Book Week is the original poster that we have created every year by a new illustrator. Um, So, I think there was that transition period in the late 2000s that saw a drop in participation and we've been building it up since then. Um, And I think just a part of it is word of mouth um, and, and people telling other people about their celebrations from year to year and encouraging other libraries in their districts and other schools in their districts to, to be a part of it as well. Um, And part of that is just our efforts to, really provide as much as we can to locations and support them in every way that we can through um, social media posts about their events, through pr- press releases that we do, through communications with our member publishers, um, through work with um, different industry newsletters. Um, so I think that's been part of part of it.
0: Wow. Yeah, you mentioned the poster and uh, we have some here at the library and it's just it, this year's it's really i really like i mean not that i didn't like the other ones but with uh kids reaching across and to each other with books and stuff um yeah i don't know if you have any can you talk a little bit about how that concept came about with the artist and 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 how that was decided
1: yeah so we um (laughs) For the first time this year, actually, we worked with a selection committee to pick the artist. So once they had sort of reviewed a bunch of different options and settled on Juju Morales as who they really wanted to have do it, we reached out to her publisher. And we try and we 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 give them the theme and we try otherwise to sort of let them just let their creativity take charge. Um, We're not artists ourselves. That's why we have to ask someone to create this for us. And we really don't want to limit them um, in any way. So I think a big part of where this poster came from stems from the book that Judy's been working on, which is dreamers. Um, And so I think she wanted to tie that idea um, of her dreamers book, the picture book that she's doing into the poster. Um, And it's just, it's stunning. And I think especially, Um, it, it, it definitely speaks back to the theme of read now, read forever, but it also speaks to just a larger theme of the idea of books connecting us and, um, how we can share books with other people, which is always what children's book week has been about is connecting kids with books. So I think it's just perfect, especially for our hundredth anniversary.
0: That's great. Um, just want to take a few minutes, uh, just to get to know you. you, you've Pretty interesting background, and in, and um, and receiving your bio, you, you, I guess you got a bachelor's in dance, and you had you said you had an exciting career in restaurant service and management. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess how you know talk a little about about your background, and then how you got into um, uh, the every every child a reader organization.
1: Yeah. Um. So I did get a degree in dance. Um. I also got a minor in English. So I'm. I've always loved to read, but um, I really loved the creativity and artistry of dance. I wasn't as much of a performer as I was a choreographer, so that was my focus in school, but to be honest, I never really saw it as a super viable career path. Um, I loved what I learned and I think that it translates in a lot of different areas of my life, but I didn't graduate college thinking, okay, I'm going to now become an internationally famous dance choreographer. So, um, you know, I'm not exactly sure why I decided that that should be my major, but I think it was absolutely worth every step of it. Um, And I would I would not go back and have a different major, but I did get an English minor and I have always loved to read. So um, as with a lot of people in college, I started waiting tables um, while I was still in school um, for extra money because it's such a flexible career. Um, and I found that I was very good at it, um, and I I really liked it. So when I graduated college, I just kept waiting tables in that sort of became my full-time job, um, not on purpose, but um, I did begin managing restaurants a few years after I graduated school, and then I decided um, to move to New York. I had stayed in my college town for a few years after I graduated, and I was definitely ready for a change. I had a few really good friends in New York already, so it was just a good fit for me. Um, so when I moved there, I started working at a restaurant in New York and became, um, a manager there. Um, but I knew I didn't really want it to be my full time career. So I had started to think about what, what else I loved that I wouldn't mind doing eight hours a day. Um, and books was kind of what came to the top. So I didn't really think that I would probably end up working in a publishing house, um, But without any publishing background or experience, it looked like I would need to get some kind of internship. So I started looking at um, internship opportunities that I could do while I was still waiting tables. And the Children's Book Council was one of the internships I stumbled across. So I got that internship and it just seemed to be kind of fate for me. Um, About four months into my internship, someone ended up, uh, leaving the organization. And so there was an opening for me and they decided to hire me.
0: Wow. That's great. Um, you mentioned, you know, you've always had a love of reading and given what you're doing now with, uh, you know, the the children's book week, what, I guess, what memories do you have about, you know, when you were a kid and and being connected with books? I mean, do you have some memories about, about your, your childhood?
1: Definitely. Um, Both my parents are very big readers, as well as um, one of my grandmothers that I was particularly close to. So she had been giving me books as a Christmas present since I can remember. I don't think she gave me anything but books. Um, And she was a big proponent of giving us books that she thought we might love later. So um, she's from Alabama actually, and she gave me To Kill a Mockingbird when I was probably like seven with no intention of me reading it then, but just having it available for when I was ready to read it. So um, my parents read to me constantly. Uh, My mom really liked to tell stories that she made up on her own. So she had sort of a, a couple of characters that she kept going back to. Um, And we also read a lot as a family. So um, my dad started reading The Hobbit to us when my brother and I were young. Um, We read The Hobbit. We read The First Lord of the Rings as a family out loud. We read um, The Education of Little Tree as a family out loud. So we were reading chapter books out loud as a group before I was old enough to really read them on my own. Um, And I just have... Just very fond memories of that and of talking about books with my parents, of discussing uh, what my favorite books were. And and they always let me go to the library and pick whatever I wanted. So there was never um, any, um, I think some people might, you know, want to guide their children into picking books, which is completely valid as well. But I think kids deserve the opportunity to to go and look and pick at least one book that they want to read that has no influence from anyone else. It just looks good to them. And I got to do that every week when we went to the library. So,
0: oh. Well, speaking of favorite books, that's usually how I try to wrap up these interviews is asking the, uh, the guests of if they've had a book or books that have impacted their lives or maybe what just what has been your favorite book and I guess uh, mm-hmm. do you, do you, can you, is there one or a couple that you
1: I, mean, I think to? there's so many but I was I was thinking about this actually there's a, a couple of picture books that stand out for me and then um one one middle grade book in particular that um, that I still go back to and read periodically. So the picture books are all by uh, Barbara Cooney. Miss um, Rumpheus was my mom's favorite picture book to read us when we were little. And that has just really stood the test of time for me. I love to reread picture books as an adult because you have such a different perspective on them and particularly ones that you remember loving as a child. So I think Miss Rumpheus is probably up there. Um in my top, in my top 10 of favorite books. Um, and also Harold and the purple crayon has been one of my favorites, uh, tried and true favorites for a long time. I actually have a Harold and the purple crayon tattoo. I give it (laughs) to every single baby that is born in my life receives that book from me. So, um, that's a big one. Um, and then in terms of older books, when I was old enough to just kind of read on my own, um, there's, a there's a fantasy writer called Tamora Pierce, and she's one of my favorite writers. And she wrote a series um, called The Lioness Quartet. And it was one of I've always loved fantasy. It's one of my mom's favorite genres as well. But she really focuses on strong female characters in fantasy, which I really appreciated as a a, a teenage girl. So the, those were probably my favorite books um when i was in middle school and high school and i still i still go back and read them today so
0: wow that's that's great well shana hey thank you so much for joining us we're looking forward to celebrating children's book week here at sclo and across the country and and uh and good luck with everything and thank you again for joining us
1: thank you so much for having me
0: Children's Book Week is April 29th through May 5th, and Sklo will be participating. Let me talk to you about some of the uh, things that Sklo is going to have on on May 2nd at 6:30 p.m. This is on Thursday, May 2nd. It's a Snory time with Dory and Nemo. Uh, kids can wear their pajamas to a special evening story time with Dory and Nemo. And they'll be available also for photos. Uh, And it's recommended for kids ages 2 to 7. So that's on Thursday, May 2nd. And then SCLO is having a May coloring contest. This is for ages 3 to 12, uh, one entry per child. Uh, The deadline is actually May 31st. So the, the contest goes beyond children's book week so it's uh, a may coloring contest children can use crayons colored pencils markers and winners will be chosen by rand a random drawing and notified by june 7th and winners may choose a prize book or a prize from our treasure chest so again it's uh and all entries are going to be displayed in our children's department and uh, they won't they won't be returned so just fyi but uh that's the may coloring contest uh And again, uh, the submission deadline for that is Friday, May 31st, but you can look for that. Uh, You can get information about that in our children's department or on our website uh, at org. And, of course, also for children, the April, April Book Club is continuing, and you can still register for that and, and set, your, uh, set goals and, uh, and try to win a prize book and be entered in to win a wooden castle for the grand prize uh, t- uh, for ages 0 through 12. And that goes to the end of April. It's the April Book Club. And Discovery Days are also coming up in our children's department. There are Discovery Days with State College School Districts not having school on Friday, April 19th, or Monday, April 22nd, and Tuesday, April 23rd. All three days, there are Discovery Days and Arts and Crafts happening from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. in our children's department. Lots of cool stuff. Uh, look for our social media. We'll be posting some pictures of some of the activities that are going to be taking place during Discovery Days. And speaking of closing with the State College School District closed on those days, uh, SCLO is actually going to be closed on Sunday, April 21st. So that's just a reminder uh, if you want to pick up stuff for the weekend. Um, but that's Sunday, April 21st, SCLO will be closed. And then we'll be reopening on our normal time, 9 a.m. on Monday, April 22nd. Over for our adult section, our adult, adult department, Researched Unplugged is continuing Thursday, April 18th, is the next one with Dr. John Gastel of the, the Department of Communication, Arts and Sciences and Political Science. He's going to be talking about disrupting democracy, how to redesign online life to strengthen democratic governments. And then April 25th is the Mosquito-Borne Viral Infections, a Global Problem, a problem, and that's uh, with Dr. Pujari on, on Thursday, April 25th. 12.30 p.m., those are research unplugged in our community room, free refreshments. And then don't forget our special one on May 2nd is, will be with the Penn State grad students. There are some Penn State grad students. Are going to discuss the latest trends in their field so let 's research to unplug there 's three more coming up for the spring season and career link the link is going to be back in front of slow on tuesday april twenty third from ten a m to two p m Uh, This is a a great service. We did a podcast on this a few weeks ago, so you can can check that out if you didn't get to hear that. Uh, Just if you're looking for a job, uh, especially graduation time coming up, or if you're uh, a retired person looking maybe maybe for some part-time work, the link has great access, uh, can help you uh, build a new resume if you need to do that. So again, that's on Tuesday, April 23rd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. The link is back. And of course, everything is on our website, sclowlibrary.org. Social media accounts are on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And of course, our podcasts uh, you can get those uh, through, through, through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, various accounts that you can uh, listen to it on our website. So and you know, rate it, let us know, subscribe for free. New episodes drop each Wednesday. And I think that'll about do it for this episode. I want to again thank Shayna Burkhead for joining us. And until next time, we hope to see you at Sklo Library.